Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. As always, we're so happy to have you join us and hope you will always feel free to share these reflections on God's word with those that you know and love. Let's now pause for a moment of prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our scripture from, for today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. And I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He held a little scroll open in his hand and setting his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, he gave a great shout like a lion roaring. And when he shouted, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will be no more delayed. But in the days when the seventh angel is to blow his trumpet, the mystery of God will be fulfilled as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take it and eat. It will be bitter to your stomach, but sweet as honey in your mouth. So I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And then they said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The book of Revelation is one of the most talked about and probably most misunderstood books in the Bible. It has spawned many a prediction over the end of the world, the whens and the hows and the wheres. It's launched the writing careers of many speculators and manipulators who want to convince us how precisely they have interpreted this book and how it all means that Jesus is returning on this day, this month, this year. These so-called prophecies have come and gone and still the hucksters are at it. Now, I'm not here to explain all of what little I know about the book of Revelation. I feel like I know this much, but I think it's safe to say that the best way to understand the book of Revelation is to see it as a very particular genre of literature that uses very uh, symbolic, almost coded language to encourage the church, particularly the first century church, as they faced insurmountable odds. In particular, the first century church of Jesus was under unrelenting threat and arrest and a punishment, often punishment by death. And the book of Revelation was written to encourage the early church to persevere in the face of such persecution. And to help them understand that such persecution was also the natural pushback to the revolutionary message and life of Jesus Christ. Those early followers of Jesus were introducing a brand new way of living. And there was a lot of stake in keeping 
them from winning the day, especially by the powers to be, powers at be in Rome who built a whole civilization around an entire message and life. Which brings us to our text today that tells us about an angel coming from heaven holding a scroll. Now, it's hard to understand what's written on the scroll and wrapped in the scroll, something to do with the message received from the seven thunders. We have a sense that the seven thunders represent the voice of God, a, a voice bringing the message of the secrets of the universe. And the angel offers the scroll to the narrator or the prophet, and he tells the prophet to eat the scroll, which will be sweet to the tongue and bitter to the stomach. I suppose it's another way of saying that the message of the scroll is both good news and bad news, that the message of the gospel is both good news and bad news. Frederick Buechner once said that before the gospel can be good news, it must first be bad news. And I suppose what is meant by that is that the purpose of the good news is to, of course, give us hope that God in his great mercy has come to rescue us, deliver us, save us from ourselves. In a couple months, we will be singing our carols, and that's what all those carols will be about. God coming to us as a child in order to save us from our sins, that we are not left on our own. God loves us to not leave us to our own devices. God reaches out to us through the tiny arms of the baby. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus receives us into his loving embrace. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that we need such a rescue to begin with. Each of us has a way of becoming our own worst enemy. We do the very things that make our lives less than what they could be. Paul says we sin and fall short of the glory of God. We miss out on all the splendor and wonder God has in store for us from the very beginning. We walk around each of us with a sense of incompleteness, a, a vacuum that can only be filled by the grace of the rescuing God. And it's not just us, but it's the world. The world is far from the Eden God created to be. That's not something I need to convince you of. We see it in the headlines. We've known it in our families. We hear the stories of friends, and we know that the world is a broken place. So when the writer of, of Revelation tells us that when he ate the scroll of the voice of thunders, it was sweet to the tongue and bitter to the stomach. And I wonder if what we can draw from this picture is how difficult it was for those early followers of Jesus to digest this good news, because to live the good news meant that they were going to try to live differently in this broken world. They were going to love one another, obey Jesus, not Caesar, forgive 70 times seven, serve one another, hold all things in common, stand up for the, the little guy. And the world doesn't like that way of living, and it still doesn't. When we try to internalize this word of God, it, it feels good to begin with, but the word has implications. It calls us to live gospel lives. Presently on Sunday nights, we are studying in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this amazing teaching of Jesus, Jesus calls us to be light in the world and salt of the earth and to do things like loving your enemy and keeping your promises and maintaining fidelity and relationships and not unfairly judging. The list goes on. These are the things that bring light into our world and salt to our earth but they're not popular and they can be met with scorn and they can feel bitter in our stomachs. But this is what it means to bring good news. There's often a price to be paid. Sometimes for the gospel to be really good news, we must experience the bad news. But let's never forget the good news. The sweet good news handed us from the angel 
It's all worth it, this good news, because as the writer of Revelation tells us over and over and over again, at the end of it all, God wins. And that's the best news of all. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your good news. And we know that your good news brings with it the challenge of living out that good news in a world that is often hostile to the good news. But Lord, we pray that we may embrace what mercy and love you have in your good news for us, that we would be filled with your spirit and strengthened to go and to live out that good news in the world, that the world will come to see through who we are and what we say and what we do that there is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we pray this in his name. Amen.